coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. People with personality disorders have these patterns of unhealthy behavior in their thinking and their feeling, and sometimes they lack empathy, and they really can't read the room very well. They can blame other people for their problems, but that blame usually comes from a place of extreme emotional pain. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mental, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're very glad that you've joined us. Dr. Linda, I have this easel here with a canvas and a brush. Okay. So I want to paint you a picture. Okay. No. <laughs> There's not really an easel here, <laughs> so I'm kind of wondering. Right. Okay. Unfortunately, it's not a pretty picture, okay. but a married man has an adulterous one-night stand. And when he refuses to continue the affair, the woman scorned stalks him, threatens him, and has terrible mood swings in which she hates him one moment and then she uh, loves him the next. Do you know this plot? It sounds very familiar. It sounds like a movie that was is kind of old now called mm. Fatal Attraction. Right, yes. Is that it? Yeah. Glenn Close. Remember mm. her? Yeah. She was frightening. I remember the picture of a knife and she did something with a rabbit that was really frightening yes. in that movie. It is one of the best, probably, deterrence of ever having an affair <laughs> based on what happened to her at that at the end of that storyline. But the lead character, as I said, was played by uh, Glenn Close. And people did think that maybe this was a portrayal of someone who had borderline personality disorder. Now, you know, it's not a depiction of all people, I want to say that, with this mental disorder. But it brought a lot of discussion about it in the public. And I remember people were talking about this psychiatric condition, her emotional instability, her fear of abandonment were really front and center in that movie. And both of those are characteristics of this particular mental disorder we're talking about. When we say borderline personality disorder, what does the borderline part mean? It's interesting. I don't really know. You you were kind of talking about this with me before we started, and I don't know where the name came from. I didn't really research that. And there's been some controversy as of really recently about even changing the name of that. But mm -hmm. it's the way that you border on these extreme reactions that then begin to have a lot of problems in the relationship with someone. So maybe that bordering on instability and emotional, real extreme liability, maybe that had something to do with the name. It's like you're on the edge of a yeah. feeling a different way yeah. to an extreme. Well, and then the, that walking on eggshell idea right. that we've heard people say that when I'm around somebody with this disorder, mm -hmm. Maybe that's walking on the edge, walking on eggshells, you right. know, having to be very careful. Well, we brought up the movie Fatal Attraction because borderline personality disorder is obviously the topic of today's mm -hmm. show. It impacts many people. And one common comment from people who live with someone with this diagnosis is, again, you're living on eggshells. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there was a book called Walking on Eggshells published a, a number of years ago. That's right. And there's really a stigma around this type of mental disorder that people who have it really experience. And because of that, Chris, they don't typically come in for therapy. Mm -hmm. They're accused of being manipulative 
And a lot of times the behavior feels that way, looks that way. But if you really understand what's behind this disorder, it does help you be a little bit more compassionate about it. Like you said, it affects so many people, but the person who has it, their life is deeply affected. They have a lot of emotional pain. They have these constant feelings of emptiness, of desperation, of loneliness, of anger, and even hopelessness at time, which a lot of times will lead them to feel suicidal. So there's lots of challenges that really show up in this relationship. We read a story on a blog from a woman who has borderline personality disorder, which we'll call BPD. Okay. And she described it like this. Imagine one of the most intense feelings you've ever had in your life, maybe the first time you fell in love. Now imagine that feeling on a regular basis. That is how someone with BPD experiences emotions, very intense. It is really intense, and it isn't always the good emotion. That's an example of good, but it can also be in the other direction, Chris, where it's really a negative feeling, Mm -hmm. and that really is the hallmark of the illness. People with personality disorders have these longstanding, enduring, that means they're really hard to break these patterns because they're really persistent patterns of unhealthy behavior in their thinking, in their functioning, in their feeling, and sometimes they lack empathy And they really can't read the room very well. Mm -hmm. So it can be really frustrating because they can blame other people for their problems. But that blame usually comes from a place of extreme emotional pain. And then to top it all off, the person can act impulsively and a lot of times engage in self-harm. Do these personality disorders like borderline personality disorder take time to develop? Yes. They usually begin in the teen years or early adulthood because you're growing, you're gradually developing your patterns of how you're going to relate to other people. And then those patterns become more ingrained and they form the basis for adult relationships. So when we talk about this specifically, what makes it borderline personality disorder instead of another personality disorder? Because there's, you know, 10 of them. Yeah. We've talked about, I think, narcissistic. I think we've Mm -hmm. had a show on paranoid. I think we've talked about several of them. But someone with borderline personality disorder has a strong, strong fear of abandonment. And this really affects them in their relationships with other people. And because of that, they have these very intense emotions. They act very impulsively. And they can even experience some paranoia and even some what we call dissociation, where they're kind of numb and, and not really present for the moment. But that fear of abandonment That is front and center, and it drives a lot of the unhealthy behavior. So it's a fear that people will leave you or that you are somehow not good enough to keep the person in a relationship with you. But doesn't that create the very thing they fear? They drive people away. Yeah, it is. It is kind of confusing because the person is very hard to live with. They become very needy. They become very clingy. They fear that you're going to leave them. And because of that, their emotions are so intense And those emotions can actually last for hours and even days sometimes, Chris. And the person is shifting all around. And so all of that makes it so unstable Mm -hmm. that it does kind of leave the other person thinking, why do I want to be in a relationship like this? Which is why people say they feel like they are on eggshells around someone with BPD. Things are either all good or all bad. There's really no middle. This is one of the many symptoms. So let's go through what the symptoms are. Yeah, so this would be good to help somebody recognize if they have it, or maybe some of you are listening right now and thinking, I think I might be in a relationship with someone like that, or maybe even I have that issue. So you're looking at this really impulsive and risky behavior, and a lot of times it has to do with having unsafe sex and gambling or binge eating or things like that. 
they have an unstable or fragile sense of who they are. And because of that, the relationships are intense, they're unstable, their moods are shifting up and down. And a lot of times that comes, it's prompted, we say in therapy, it's prompted by something interpersonal. So you can be in the middle of a relationship, Chris, and something, you know, happens, which happens in all relationships, but Mm -hmm. someone with this disorder takes it really personally and it gets really triggered by abandonment and then reacts in various extreme ways. And doesn't this involve uh, suicidal behavior and and threats of self-injury? That's why it's so difficult. That's why people walk on eggshells is Mm. because the person can threaten suicide because of that real big fear of abandonment. And that really is what's going. That emptiness inside of them can also display itself sometimes with intense anger. So there's a lot there that's going on. That's a lot to struggle with on a daily basis for, it is. for the person with borderline personality disorder and the person in the relationship. Yeah. So how does this develop? So your personality is a combination of a lot of things. You have your genetics, which have to do with your temperament, the way you're wired. And then there are all these environmental factors that include your home life, your friends, the peers when you're growing up in school, relationships with family members, and a lot of events that shape you. One of the risk factors for this is an unstable childhood, or in a lot of cases we can trace back and we see that there was abuse during childhood or just chaos in the family. A lot of times we'll see something that's called adverse childhood experiences. I know we did a show on that one time, but those are the adverse things that happen to kids that make them feel unsafe and they just don't have a lot of stability. This is a personality disorder we're talking about, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that medications don't help. That's right. That's exactly right. They're not helpful for changing these enduring patterns that we're talking about, the way the person thinks, the way the person feels, the way the person behaves. But a little bit later, we are going to talk about what helps. And there is some really good news there because there's a specific type of therapy, but medications are not the answer for this type of mental disorder. Well, on that note, let's uh, take a break. And when we come back, what is important when it comes to living with someone with BPD? More to come on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And just a reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Dr. Linda Mental, and on Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. Social media is a great way to keep up with Dr. Linda's speaking and writing on relationships. But we also want you to listen to and share our weekly podcasts. They are on Faith Radio, but also on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to MyFaithRadio.com. Dr. Linda, I should have that all memorized at this point. This I know, <laughs> but it's, it really is great that people can listen to these shows. And like this one we're talking about, if you know someone who is in a relationship with someone with borderline personality disorder, this would be a very helpful show to share. That's right. And uh, we can continue that conversation uh, right now, especially now that we know what this is. Let's talk about the impact on the people who live with someone with this diagnosis, specifically 
Let's talk about intimate relationships. This is very challenging, Chris. It's very challenging for people that mm-hmm. are in a relationship with someone with this diagnosis. When people do come into therapy, it's usually because a family member or their partner is saying, look, you have to get help. Mm-hmm. We can't continue to live like this because the relationship's in trouble. That's usually what motivates someone to get help. Or the person gets really, really upset and they might make a suicidal gesture, mm-hmm. which is scary. And it's also a cry for help from the person as well. And when that happens, they're usually taken to the hospital and then they agree to see somebody. How many of these are actual, is this more of a cry wolf type thing or do they commit suicide? That is such a difficult question because you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Because it is out of this fear of abandonment. It might be a gesture, but sometimes people, when they make gestures, it actually happens. They don't get rescued by an overdose or they don't, you know, have somebody intervene when they want them to. So that's a great question. Uh, I think you really have to take it seriously no matter what. It is scary. And I suppose you have to remember as well that the person is feeling a lot of emotional pain. Yes. And still, though, it's tough on the family members as well as the person experiencing this emotional pain. Yeah. And that's why the therapy we're going to talk about, it really is a gold standard for someone with borderline personality disorder because it deals with how you deal with those suicidal thoughts that come into your head and those feelings that you have around that. And the therapy teaches the person to have better coping mechanisms or how to reach out to somebody in a more positive way. So remember, a person isn't a diagnosis. There's a person behind that personality disorder who's really struggling, and our goal is to give them different tools to deal with it. So how would I know then if someone that I care about has BPD? Well, let's go through a few questions that could help you decide if there's a yes to most of these questions, then you're probably thinking it could be borderline personality disorder. The first one is, do you feel like you have to tiptoe around your loved one? Again, it's that eggshell Mm -hmm. thing we've been talking about, watching every little thing you say or do for fear of setting them off. Do you often hide what you think? or feel in order to avoid fights and hurt feelings? Yeah, so that's a good question. A second good question is, does your loved one shift almost instantly between these emotional extremes that we've been talking about? For example, are they calm one moment, then they're raging the next, then suddenly they're despondent? And all of these rapid mood swings are unpredictable, and they seem kind of irrational. And Mm -hmm. sometimes people, you know, confuse that with bipolar disorder. But this is also a shifting of mood characteristic with borderline. Does your loved one tend to view you as all good or bad? Well, that means no middle ground. Right. For example, either you're perfect and the only one they can count on or you're selfish and unfeeling and never truly love them. So I'll give you a good example of that. A real typical example in therapy is that the person will come in and say, new patient would say, I've had five therapists Mm -hmm. and they were terrible. But I know, Dr. Linda, you're going to be the best therapist ever (laughs) and that you will be one. So they idealize me right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I usually say within the first session or two, I'm not that good. Mm-hmm. And, you're, you know, it's not going to all be great because I'm really aware of these extreme feelings of either idealizing me or then being very upset with me. The fourth one is uh, you feel like you can't win and that anything you say or do will be twisted and used against you. Does it feel as if your loved one's expectations are constantly changing so you're really never quite sure how to keep the peace. Yeah, so conflict, big problem there. And, and then related to that, is everything always your fault? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel constantly criticized, blamed for things that don't seem to make a lot of sense? Does the person accuse you of doing and saying things you never did? And do you feel misunderstood when you're trying to explain or you're trying to reassure your partner? Hmm. 
And finally, do you feel manipulated by fear, guilt, or outrageous behavior? Does your loved one make threats, fly into violent rages, make dramatic declarations, or do dangerous things when they think you're unhappy or may leave? So that abandonment stuff is being Mm -hmm. triggered again, and then they go to the extreme. Despite all of these challenges, the good news is that borderline personality disorder is treatable. So what type of therapy works? So yeah, let's talk about that because it's a therapy called dialectical behavior therapy, mm-hmm. or people say the acronym, they say DBT. Another acronym for the And show. There's lots of acronyms for, <laughs> in my field is full of acronyms, mm-hmm. but this is a therapy that really helps. And the, the woman who developed this therapy, Dr. Marsha Linehan, had this saying, and she said, this therapy helps you develop a life that is worth living. So think about, Chris, if you're always worried about feeling abandoned Mm -hmm. and you're never sure somebody's going to stay with you, there's a therapy that really addresses that. It teaches coping skills. It teaches strategies for dealing with urges to harm yourself or suicidal thoughts. It helps the person really regulate their emotion, and it improves relationships. So let's say I'm in a relationship with someone with BPD, and the person is getting very impulsive and extreme in their emotions, what do I do? Well, first you have to manage your reactions to that. So you have control over how you respond. So you have to resist the urge to match that type of emotion. Mm -hmm. So you really have to not try to fix that person, which is what we all want to do, right? Mm -hmm. We see someone being unreasonable and we think, oh, I got to fix this. I'm going to talk them through it. I'm going to make them, you know, be sensible. But that doesn't work. So you don't want to try to just appease them or, you know, try to avoid a flight, that walking on eggshells idea. Mm -hmm. But you do need to say to yourself, I can't control them, but I can control me. And right now, I'm going to try to be calm. So it sounds like it, it would be important to not take the bait to uh, escalate the conflict. Yeah, that's exactly right, because conflict isn't about an issue. It's about the wounding and the fear that the person is operating from. That root cause of abandonment is what really needs to be fixed. So don't escalate the conflict. Really, the best thing you can do is to set boundaries and be really clear about which behaviors you will and will not tolerate, and then just be firm about that. We talk a lot about boundaries on this show. I I wish I would have written a book called Boundaries. (laughs) Someone did. Someone did. (laughs) Actually, I know both of them. Boundaries seem very important when the person is all over the place and Mm -hmm. acting impulsively. The person with uh, borderline will escalate to get you to give in to them. But so you got to really hold your ground and not give in. That's really what we call setting a boundary, right? So here's a therapy example. At the end of a 50-minute hour, and again, this is part of the diagnosis. This is part of what happens. A borderline patient will say to me, oh, I forgot to mention I feel suicidal. Mm, this is like right. the last three minutes of the session, right? right? Now I'm at the end of the hour. I have my next patient waiting. I have to address it. If I don't address it, the patient's going to feel abandoned by me. Mm-hmm. But I have to hold a boundary, too, because the therapy session is finished. So I have to hold that boundary. But this is where the protocols in that dialectical behavior therapy really come in handy because it helps the person with a protocol of what to do when they start feeling suicidal. So it teaches them a strategy. And when both parties then honor the boundaries, you can start to build a sense of trust and respect. Those are key ingredients, obviously, to any relationship. So you can say, I say something like, I love you. I wouldn't say, I love you to a patient, but I say, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm here for you. I want this relationship to work, and you feel trusted by me in this relationship. But I I have to put this boundary on. And people at home, when they're dealing with their relationships, can say, 
I love you. I want our relationship to work, but I can't handle the stress caused by your behavior right now. I need you to make a change in the way you're behaving. That's going to be tough. How about when emotions get really heated using distraction? Distraction's always a good skill to use when you're trying to break the tension. Mm -hmm. If you can distract with something a little more soothing, calm the person down, maybe get them into something that's a little bit more like breathing or listening to music or doing something to take a time out, that'd be a great strategy. Well, speaking of distraction, we do need to go to a break, but uh, stay with us as we discuss how you can be supportive and encourage a person to get help. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz too and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Check out her website, drlindamental.com, and remember, the podcast can be listened to or shared anytime. Just go to myfaithradio.com or your favorite podcast platform. Dr. Linda, as we talk more about what happens when someone gets upset as it relates to borderline personality disorder, are there cues or triggers to look for that might set up an episode for a fight? Yeah, to better manage triggers, it's really critical to understand what's happening in those episodes. And those are highly dependent on the moment, on the situation, what's happening with that individual. But there are common red flags that will sort of escalate things to another level. So one of those is they have an angry outburst. Something happens that triggers anger and then it gets extreme. Or they're starting to think about suicidal thoughts and they're maybe thinking about ways to harm themselves. And then going to great lengths to feel something, you know, they, they want to feel something. And so then they, they might really withdraw because they, they're afraid or they might really push you on a feeling. And sometimes people get paranoid in that process as well. So these episodes can also involve extreme feelings of positive, even almost euphoria, which feels a little bit like bipolar sometimes, or they can be extremely upset in a down mood. And the person can be just really impulsive in all of that. Do you ever call 911 if you are concerned for their safety? Yes. If the person is talking about suicide, Chris, or self-harm, I would take them to the hospital or call 911. You you don't want to try to decide, is this just another way to bring attention to the person? Do they mean it? Do they not mean it? I don't like to make those decisions. I think it's better to err on the side of safety, and I would call. You mentioned early on that most people with this diagnosis don't get help. But what can you do if the person is causing lots of relationship distress? And again, but they don't want to do anything about it. Yeah, so I would go as a couple. I would go to couples therapy and I would tell your wife or husband, hey, I need some help with our relationship and I'm willing to do couples therapy. Will you join me? Now, notice how I'm focusing on the relationship, not the specific person or not even the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it's not all about them. It's us as a couple. Could you encourage the partner to get help with stress management since, you know, stress makes everything worse when it comes to coping? Yeah, that would be really good. That's a really good idea, maybe a way to talk about it. Discuss how you both need to work on developing an ability to tolerate distress. Tolerate distress is one of the things that DBT works on. Like, there's going to be stress in your life. How better can you tolerate that? And when they can learn to press pause, when they have the urge to act out or behave impulsively, 
then they can do better. Then they stop losing relationships. They maybe keep their job over time. So that really is a good strategy, working on stress. That reminds me of the movie with Bill Murray about baby steps. Oh, yeah. Which movie was that? I can't think of the name of that one. What was that? I remember it was, I remember the guy who was the therapist in there. I can't even think of his name uh, right now. Dreyfus, Richard Dreyfus was the therapist. And then Bill Murray, and he was following him around everywhere he went. Wasn't it Richard Dreyfus? It wasn't What About Bob, was it? Yeah, What About Bob. Okay, that was yeah. it. That's it. That's it. Well, that was the baby steps. He kept saying baby steps, right. baby steps. Lots of patience. Lots. Yes, yes. So this is going to take time. Uh, small goals with small steps. You know, if you support your partner's recovery, then yes, you have to kind of lower your expectations for big changes to happen. While the person's working on it, you have to take care of yourself. Don't allow the person to emotionally abuse you. Put those limits on, those boundaries we talked about. But if you all work together on this and say, we're trying to make our relationships better, Mm. then the person is a lot more willing to work on this. Remember, people with this disorder have a lot of thoughts and beliefs about themselves that are distressing. And that's what's making them kind of ebb and flow in all of this. But remember, it can be treated and life can get better. We found a comment by a person who is working really hard in dialectical behavior therapy. Her name is Gabby, and she talks about her struggle with BPD. Listen to what she says so family members can be encouraged. So she says this, since starting dialectical behavior therapy a year ago, I have learned skills to regulate my emotions and tolerate distress, skills which I desperately needed. I have practiced meditation on and off since I was about 16, but the benefits of mindfulness which is one of the skills, Chris, in that, in that program, have become evident from doing DBT. Diffusing my awareness from my emotions, becoming more present is also vital for my mental health. This space allows me to pause, ground myself in the present moment, and decide which DBT skill I need for the situation that I'm in. So bottom line, this treatment works. Sounds like the treatment involves learning to self-regulate between the extreme emotional swings, explosive feelings of anger, self-harm, a feeling empty. There's a lot to regulate there. It does. And that is really the key. It's one of the greatest helps. But, you know, we have a great help, too, with regulation. It's Mm -hmm. called the Holy Spirit is in us. So if you're someone who's struggling with this and you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who can help bring the type of self-control that you need. So think about the roots of this disorder fear of abandonment. And yet Second Timothy 1 says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and, here it is, self-control. Mm. So with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're able to possess a type of self-control and demonstrate that fruit of the Spirit. And as a result of this, we can live in a way that's honorable to God. That is uh, the help most of us need, not just people with BPD. Yes, and, that's right. I, I don't think we often pray to have self-control. Our culture encourages us to do whatever we feel. I know we see a lack of self-control all around us and uh, people are lashing out on social media in the streets and families. And yet if we're followers of Christ, remember the Holy Spirit lives in you. So ask Jesus to fill your life with his love. His love casts out fear that prompts you to act in ways that are hurtful. You can do this with Christ's power in you. Don't ignore this transforming power in your life, whether you have BPD, as Chris said, or not. Wake up each day and ask the Lord to fill you with his love and his power. Remember that nothing is impossible with God. Ask him to help you with self-control and then do the work in therapy and create better relationships. You can also create a better you. 
Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.